Sonic States. What's called? This is Sonic Talk number 171. Uh, got a nice and fulsome chat room. Good to see a few favourites in there. Um, haven't seen Failed Muso in there for a long, long time, but uh, I know he's got a week off, so thanks for joining us, Failed, and all the other people. And uh, sorry for the... Uh, I got a few de- um, desperate emails from people going, is the show on this week? Um, but no, I did say it wasn't on last, lo- last week because I went uh, on holiday. But if you're wondering what I'm talking about, we broadcast the show live via Shoutcast. You can listen to it via a streaming widget on our sonicstate.com forward slash live page or via iTunes and there's a live chat and you can join in and generally hang out with people who are listening to us um, and uh, that's all uh, saved in a log and we chuck it up with the with the show so you can uh, it's good it's good supporting text and it's great to have some live input too and it keeps us on our toes although um, I'm not quite I'm not quite as many I'm not getting quite as many cold sweats as I did perhaps the first couple of weeks we did this but maybe I'll have to introduce some other aspect like uh, an intermittent internet connection or something <laughs> or lack of guests even but not this week <laughs> Um, Yes, sonicstate.com forward slash live, 4pm UK time. Come and join us live. Um, That first chuckle you heard there was Dave Spears from G4 Software. Hello. Hello, how are you doing, Dave? I'm all right, actually. Good day today. Excellent. Um, uh, Are things finally... uh, How's the bug hunting going? Oh, God. Uh, Sorry I brought it up. Forget it. Should we just forget that? So we start again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, ignore that. Uh, It's been a good day. Had a good Easter? Yeah, good. Yeah, I went away as well, so that was nice. Lovely. Nice well, break. yes, I went on holiday, and uh, we had unse- I was I was dreading it. I did waffle on about my holiday last week, um, and at last time, in fact, and last week, I was on it, and uh, I thought it was going to be a caravan in uh, in a dismal um, southwestern coastal town, but in fact, it was a luxury apartment with heating and everything in wow. an extremely unseasonally hot coastal town so it was lovely we're on the beach and everything which is very unusual for the beginning of april but anyway i won't go on about it too much but i had a lovely time and uh, thanks to everybody um for hanging in there while we had a bit of r&r so uh, yes g4software.com for your dave business and see what they're up to uh, we've also got uh, mr rich hilton from uh, connecticut uh, who's able to join us this week i know you were busy doing recording sessions and stuff was it a um how would you say it uh uh, a fruitful recording session. Oh, mer- yeah, very much so. Excellent. Very productive. That's yeah, good. Yeah, good. Well, then you're excused, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I, felt, I felt bad and I miss you guys when I'm out here. But I do love to listen to the show. Well, that's very kind. So um, were you, uh, was it a, a female, male section or solo? What was the, can you give us any information without uh, incriminating the innocent? That was a female. Uh-huh. <laughs> that much I can tell you. Uh-huh. Uh, that's all I can say right now. Signal path. See if we can guess from that, eh? Signal path. Uh, <laughs> U48 microphone. Uh-huh. Um, LA610, yeah, Universal Audio LA610 Signature Edition preamp yep. and compressor. Straight in the old 192. Right. And that Mariah was Mariah Carey, path. then. Is it Mariah Carey? <laughs> no, 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 no. It's nobody... <laughs> I guarantee you, if I told you her name, you wouldn't know who it was, and it wasn't for her project. Let's have anyways. some random names. Celia uh, Cruz. Okay. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Celia. That was her. Whitney Houston. Celia. Yes. Her Perhaps too. not. She apparently um, stayed on the radio today because uh, she did a gig last night in um, 
somewhere, and uh, people were, were leaving in droves at the end because uh, apparently her performance was not up to scratch, which uh, sounds unlike a, a, a Whitney, but uh, there you go. That's a, that's a topical aside. Um, I better introduce <laughs> our last guest, um, D- uh, Rich, Rich Hilton, of course, myspace.com slash Hiltonius, works with uh, professionals of highest calibre all over the place. In fact, did I see you say um, you were going to Japan with Sheik in a couple of days? Uh, yeah, next week, uh, Thursday, a week from tomorrow. I'm going. Nice. You always come back laden with gifts and sake. It's true, <laughs> and I oh, and I have to remember to get gifts before I go because yeah. I feel ridiculous when I show up and everybody's giving me stuff and I've got nothing to give. Yeah. So I must I must get something. I must get you a box of Sonic it. Talk T-shirts over. That would be cool. I'd love that. If there was one. <laughs> you want to merchandise my trip. That the would Sonic be great. Talk slank it. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, it'll be great. It'll be big fun. I'm honored to be asked. Uh, cool. You playing? Very- are you playing or are you doing? doing playing. Fun? Oh, brilliant. Keyboards. Back in the old spot for a nice. minute. Nice. Nice. Well, I have a great tour. Who knows how long basis. Well, let's. Yeah, thanks. Let's, let's also introduce Mark Tinley. Um, how are you doing, Mark? I'm very well, thank you. Mark, of course, uh, audio sound artist and um, public speaker, I suppose. How's the public speaking going? I did a talk uh, recently at the Cambridge National Autistic Society. That was fun. Ooh. I haven't done anything since then. That sounds kind of... So if anybody wants to engage me, hee-hee. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, why not? Where would they go? Was it autismhero.com? Or oh, actually, I, you know, where else? I did talk at uh, Tyne Tees University for the... Um, the Middlesbrough music tech um, students recently as well. That didn't go too well. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, didn't you say you were trying to do something with um, uh, uh, recording fan sounds? I think I was trying to teach them. Yeah, I was trying to teach them. That was where I went wrong. It's all right if I just talk nonsense, my waffle about, you know... Well, I hope, I hope at least with, with this platform we give you ample uh, practice time. <laughs> to yeah, you certainly do. As soon as I think I know something, that's it. I've had it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, what was it like being dot com? Is that where to send? Yeah, that's yeah. That would be cool. Okay, cool. Uh, that's it then. That's our guest for this week. Um, but um, let's jump straight in. I mean, obviously, one of the big pieces of news, and this is perhaps more of a corporate to biz thing, but it may well have a lot of other ramifications, is Avid have announced they're buying Euphonics. Uh, and, like, by the end of the month, the deal is going to be done. There's no kind of a, an undisclosed sum. Um, what is it they say? They say, Avid will deliver a broad range of audio and video control services and consoles designed to meet the needs of customers ranging from the independent professional to the high-end broadcaster. Avid plans to continue to support and sell both Euphonics control services and Avid's existing icon solution, enabling customers to leverage existing investments by... Oh, I hate when they say stuff like that. But you, you get the drift. That was a fairly corporate... Uh, corporate line so uh, a bit a big shocker actually because i mean obviously over the last six months or so it, it's felt like shrinkage you know not having big stands at pr- trade shows restructuring and stuff I mean, maybe they are about to emerge butterfly like and uh, all um, expansive i don't know does anyone feel um feel a, a, any excitement at this news or or dread how does it work for say you rich more in the order of curiosity for me. <laughs> Indifference. I don't know. I don't know what to think about it. I don't know anything about what's going on with Digi Design Avid. I, you know, it was preceded very quick, uh, shortly, by another um, announcement that Digi Design is soon to be no more. It's all going to be Avid. And in fact, in the last software release, um, 
it says at the bottom of the welcome screen for the for the software, Digidesign is Avid. Right, okay. And and it says Avid at the top where it used to say Digidesign. And um so I don't what do I know about I, I don't I got upset and concerned when I heard they were firing thousands yeah, of yeah, people yeah. over the last two years. So now I haven't heard anything more about firings, though I don't know that they haven't taken place. But And I don't know what to think about all this, except that it worries me a little bit in terms of the stability and future of the software that I depend on to make my living. It worries me more, for example, than driving my Toyota Prius. <laughs> Even with the brake issue, which we've... We've discussed I nearly this. got killed by one of those the other day. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, it just fun. came from nowhere. Just like, yeah, avid, you have to be careful in parking lots with that thing. Yeah, avid yeah. by avid by Toyota. Now that would be a headline, wouldn't it? Or, <laughs> or Toyota by avid. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, euphonic stuff. Have you seen that stuff? I I, I know that uh, yeah. Ro- Robbie Bronneman, who is a, a kind of producer based in the West Country, he's kind of he's he's all euphonics up. I mean, he loves it. Um, he tends to use there's the new one that's the, just the transport control. He said that's absolutely brilliant. That's the one that kind of he go to most. But they at the same time, practically as this announcement, they announced the Artist MC2 series, which uh, features is basically exactly the same. But it's got a better uh, LED backlit LED touchscreen and um, some new pots. That's going to be out, you know, shortly. So there's obviously, you know, no no change in business there. Have you tried any of the euphonic stuff, Rich? I mean, you must have come across their stuff in some walk of life, perhaps. Yes, over the years, I've used different versions of different things, and I've I've uh, the last few years is stuff I've seen it more than used it. Um, it's very nice looking stuff. It seems it to work gorgeous, well. People it? like people like the way it sounds. It was uh, I thought somewhat priced out of uh, the you talk, fashionable you talk, market. Are you talking about the original Euphonics digital consoles? They were hugely, they were massively expensive, weren't they? They were kind of the the real behemoth, the the big changeover from large format analog to large format yeah. control surface well, with a rack full the, of analog to digital gear. They came a little late to the party that said that, uh, where they discussed the fact that you might need to have a product for less than $100,000 to sell <laughs> in order to keep the business afloat. But, but um, they did have some very nice looking and sounding and operating gear, and I liked the way they implemented screens on their digital consoles. Of course, digital console, I mean, it, it's interesting. It's an interesting move on the part of a company that makes most of their hardware money, as far as I can tell, right now selling uh, consoles, hardware emulation consoles, basically. Well, you, um, sorry, which one are you, are you talking about? Euphonics? Well, Digidesign. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. I'm saying Avid or whatever they're... Well, Euphonics you know, seem to be more geared M-O-D- to the actual control surface and the whole Yukon protocol, about uh, which is the Ethernet control system, which now it integrates very tightly with DP, Motus DP, uh, I guess Pro Tools pretty shortly, um, even more so. There's a certain amount of uh, integration with Logic and various other apps. It's, uh, if I understand correctly, it's at the moment very much Mac only. That's so if you can have an icon, why do you need a Euphonics? Well, yeah, but the, the thing is Euphonics... No, makes, it's a serious question. I, I don't understand. I'm hoping somebody can explain it to me. I'm guessing they're probably going to be filling up the, the, the kind of mid to low end size of their range maybe and also for video it's euphonics 
They're going to make Euphonics their budget line? No, no. It's going to become M Audio of, say of that. digital <laughs> I'm just thinking the artist series and that kind of stuff. I don't really, I'm not familiar with their higher up, their, their further up the chain stuff. That's why I'm curious. I just don't understand where in the product line, how, this, how these two products stand side by side. One, how, how are they benefited by this? Like what was Avid's motive here? They already have a console line that's doing very well. I was looking on various forums. I think it was on Gear Sluts. There was a comment by somebody who was saying that uh, it looked like they were buying the competition. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's something they want out of that uh, product line, like the EQ or something, or some, you know, some version of something that's part of the software that they want to incorporate into theirs. Yeah, maybe. It's quite a long way around. It seems like an expensive route. But uh, we are totally speculating. I don't know. Um, uh, Dave, have you, have you had um, much experience with the Euphonics, um, say the Artist series anyway? I mean, you see quite a lot of them at trade shows, don't you? Because I'll tell you what they remind me of. They remind me of Bang and Olufsen stereos. They've, yeah. got that, you know, they, they, they've got that look. In the same way that, you, you know, what was so great about the B&O stuff, you, when you were a kid, you'd go into the hi-fi shop and press the tape eject, and it was just how damped it was. It was a sign of nice. the quality. <laughs> Nice action. Yes. Yes. What's his name? Partridge used to say. I'm Partridge. <laughs> um, Nakamichi was the best, but B&O was probably the most stylish. Yeah, Phillips. Um, I, I kind of got the vibe with this that it was more to do with the... It was a convergence, let's say, of the audio and video editing nonsense. I think this would be quite suited for that, probably. Because, obviously, video edit suites are an arm and a leg. They've, did you have obviously? Oh, sorry, Avid have got the desk stuff, the live stuff, sewn up with Icon. It's very interesting. Yeah, it's very interesting you say about the did the video stuff because it's something that we've been realising because we've started to look at Final Cut and Final Cut Pro, and you know while it's great for editing video, it's really not so great if you're running large amounts of soundtracks with it. You know, so if I do a, a multi-camera shoot and I've got a multi-track recording as well, it's actually really unwieldy. Whereas in, uh, at least in my experience, I may well not know it very well, which is entirely possible. But it's something, you know, like Vegas, which I'm always banging on about. It's much easier to, to create, to self-author products rather than going to the situation where you kind of, you'd get the final edit and then you'd lay on the soundtracks afterwards. It all becomes, it's easier to do in one process. Oh, okay. And that, I mean, that's bound to be, ha- that's bound to happen because as think people say, right, we need this to be lower cost, you know, can somebody do this all in one go? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the vibe I got with this is that, you know, a lot of the video guys I knew started off with big Avid systems and a lot of those have kind of switched over to um, Final Cut Pro. And I just kind of got the vibe that maybe this was a sort of convergence of the Avid uh, digital editing for video stuff and a relatively affordable controllers. No, I just kind of, I have to say, I read the press release and I... um lost the will to live at the statement, we remain committed to driving in, interoperability and modularity of vast, uh, across a vast ecosystem. Oh, my God. That was, it was at that point I lost oh the will to Jesus, live. Jesus, that is just... That's, what I'm, that's, that's an SAP um, auto press release, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, Decker's in the chat room says that uh, Dieter Mayer apparently had something to do. He's the eccentric industrialist gambler millionaire um, who was one half of the supergroup Yellow. Apparently he had um, 
you know, ownership of uh, Euphonics. And uh, Decker says, I wonder if Dieter Mir will gamble with the money he made selling Euphonics. I do hope so. I could just picture him in a sort of, a real sort of showdown on the, on the um, you know, maybe, maybe he didn't sell it at all. Maybe he actually lost it in a poker game with um, the head honchos at DigiDesign. That would be, that would be really cool. That would be a cool way to, to switch companies. Yeah, we didn't want it. It's just we want it in a poker game. What can we say? That would be really funny. Yeah, I think there was a fair bit of that going on within uh, <laughs> really some part of Mavid. I think they had their own kind of. <laughs> I like cape. it. I, I think I like the idea of that. That sounds mm-hmm. brilliant. Let's ch- let's write the headline now. Avid wins Euphonic in secret poker game. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Dieter Mayer. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, brilliant. I, yeah, I, I go for that. That sounds like that actually sounds like it could be something heading towards the show title this week. <laughs> Total fabrication. <laughs> right. Um, let me see. Now, the, here's oh, here's a couple of things. Now, this I have to play this because uh, I just think it's it's gorgeous, and it's also um, our next topic. I'm going to play more of this just because I love this track. I'd just forgotten how, how much of an influence it had on me when I was a kid. Jojo Sam was her name. And Mr. Taylor Wolf. Take it away, Jojo. I've got to stop myself there. Uh, that was, of course, Malcolm McLaren, uh, Madam Butterfly from his 1984 classic Fans, uh, produced by, and I thought it was Trevor Horn, but it wasn't. It was Stephen Haig, who apparently became a much sought-after producer in the techno-pop genre following his work on this. Now, um, obviously, this is down to the uh, news that uh, Malcolm McLaren, the I'd say it was fair to say he was an impresario and chancer, the guy who managed the Sex Pistols and did loads of other stuff besides, uh, sadly passed away 8th of April, age 64, in Switzerland. And it, um, it just gave me an excuse to go back and listen to a load of that stuff. But, I mean, I'm guessing that perhaps, at least to some of us, he's probably got, perhaps more of the UK listeners, he's got, he's got quite a resonance. I know, um, uh, Mark, you know, you were, you were fairly punky back in the day. He must have, uh, you know, had some influence, whether directly or indirectly, on, on your, your, your route into the musical world, possibly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, absolutely, totally influenced everything I did from the age of about... 14 or 15 onwards, I would say. Um, and uh, I don't know, rightly or wrongly, I made me kind of, well, not made me, but I made a choice to sort of stop pursuing uh, um, 
becoming the best guitarist in the world so no more jimmy page solos or jimmy hendrix solos or any of that sort of stuff and just more made me think more about um sort of songs and stuff like that i suppose and the sound that that punk sound uh Yes, yes. That, came out, that came out of Abbey Road, <laughs> which, was, yeah. which was quite funny, isn't it? Just imagine all those Abbey Road engineers kind of uh, dutifully miking the... I don't know what sort of stuff they use, but it, when you listen to it now... Oh, I know exactly what it was, because my friend John Klein, who was in a band called Specimen, acquired um, the Sex Pistols guitar and the amplifier from Miles Copeland, I think it was from. Oh, Miles, really? The, the manager, Miles Copeland. Yeah. And he had them for a while. I don't know if he has still got them, because I also met Steve Jones through uh, another connection. And I told Steve Jones, oh, I know, he's got your old guitar. And Steve Jones uh, tried very hard to get it back. So either John's still got it and is pretending he doesn't have it, so that he doesn't get any more hassle <laughs> or he doesn't have it anymore but i've played that guitar that's a piece and, of history right there was it, a, a, was it a les paul it was a les paul yeah what was the amp and it was a fender twin believe it or not oh, i suppose Just that's a, the classic back of the transit gigging amp wasn't it it was a it was a les paul plugged into a fender twin with everything turned up full and right. it just sounds exactly it's that sound as soon as you do that it was bloody loud yeah i can imagine and I thought it was, oh, it must be pedals involved and all that sort of stuff. But I don't think there were. I it's think not, it was it's just, loud, you know, heavily overdriven fender. Very twin. loud guitars. And it also gives you the impression that it's a Marshall as well, doesn't it? Or a stack of Marshalls or something, but it's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I mean, it's, I just love that stuff. I'm, I, I, mean, I don't know, um, Rich Hilton, whether um, it means that much to you, but I'm guessing in 83, he would have been in there with um, Buffalo Gals working in the New York area. I don't know whether you kind of were aware of his presence musically at that point, whether he was around and, you know, whether you kind of crossed paths at all. Never crossed paths. Uh, had heard of him. Never heard any of it, including the song you just played. Um... And it had, like, obviously, therefore, no impact on me whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I was into all kinds of other cool things in 83 and 84, but no. Not, not I that. I wasn't aware. But, I mean, because he was, he was absolutely on the money, um, like, way ahead of the game. Duck Rock is a classic album. It's got tons and tons of stuff in it that was actually, um, oh, well, God, what was it? Buffalo, um, Double Dutch, all yeah. that kind of stuff. Double Dutch is just is also a great album and it was a real precursor to the whole world music thing because it was the whole sound of Soweto wasn't it I mean it was just really really you know beat everybody to it once again he was right on the cutting edge and also brought in a load of hip hop I mean he was in fact um, he, according to if you read the Wikipedia article and I think this is partially true because I remember at the time I was we were I was in a band my first ever band and we would been had been um, sort of brought under the wing of this guy uh, what was his name mick something or other in, and we used to recorded on his we were he was so advanced he had a tascam four track you know a cassette one and we were in his basement working on our tracks and he was really into he th i think he thought he was malcolm mclaren and he played us all of that stuff and it brought hip-hop into the uk a lot of that stuff those two singles um not madam but madam butterfly uh, not that one but the double dutch and um oh what's the other one buffalo gals yeah were top 10 uk singles i mean you're yeah 
I mean, you're absolutely right, because after that was in the charts, I think I started listening to all the weird sort of hip-hop pirate radio stations and discovering loads of stuff about hip-hop and programming drum machines to try and sound like some of the stuff that he was doing and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it really did. It sound. I must admit, I thought that... I think there was some Trevor Horn um, got involved there as well, because I read that also um, somewhere, and there you could definitely hear some Trevor Hornisms in there. In, certainly in Madam Butterfly, because back then he was doing a lot of session work, wasn't he? He was kind of he was involving himself in um, bringing that technology into into productions. But there sounded like there's some Fairlight stuff in there as well. But I don't know. It's uh, uh, Dave Spears. I mean, I, I you weren't really punky, were you? You we sort of skipped that part. But I'm guessing perhaps McLaren's later work might have um, floated your boat a little more. Uh, no, I was totally into the pistols and stuff. Uh, yeah, no, I, I thought Duck Rock was brilliant, I have to say. That was some, um, even Dolby was on that album. Ah, uh, there's lots that you can hear, just these brilliant, you know, the... The kind of cream of the session the cream crop. cream of the 80s. <laughs> yeah. As they yeah, were no, it was. It was very influential. I kind of, I have to say, I've alluded to this before, but I'm a huge, huge Leiden fan. So I always kind of fell into the slightly anti-Malcolm... Yeah camp but uh, i thought actually Lydon's tribute was pretty graceful i haven't heard that actually so, well, he just said you know he was a great entertainer uh, i think he said for me mount was always entertaining and i hope you remember that oh yeah it's no, probably that. very true yeah 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 but yeah. i mean him and westwood you know that's kind of that started a whole big movement didn't it really yeah well, that's quite interesting because, I mean, in a way, um, his albums were sort of like concept records. I mean, he did voiceovers. It sort of sounds a bit like a precursor to Slave to the Rhythm to me, but especially the Madam Butterfly one. If you listen to the full-length mixes, there's loads of this kind of really heavy-duty, um, fairlighty sort of riffing and going off on a tangent and really high-quality guitar play. It sounds like some of the musicians are the same guys, you know, who were involved uh, in that Yeah, stuff. and as failed music just said, it's where the art of noise was born, and it was. Ah, Jake Alec, Dudley, yeah. Dudley. Jake Alec, yeah, and Dudley, all those guys. Louis Jardim, brilliant. And I mean, Louis Jardim was a percussion guy on Slave to the Rhythm. You've got to, you've got to basically then credit um, McLaren for spotting the team and, you know, making the most of them, I guess, really, haven't you? Yeah, I think that's probably what he was very, very good at. Yeah, I think that's true. But anyway, it's, it's sort of sad, a sad day, because, I mean, he seemed kind of so young. And also, there's those pictures of him because he was also married or girlfriend of uh, boyfriend of Vivian Westwood and there's loads of pictures of them together and she was a babe god she was so good looking I and mean, then she still is for an elderly lady but i mean she she looked fantastic back then they must have been the the um, you know the, the toast of the king's road the the kind of couple my missus is louise is just was is a sort of huge westwood fan but i mean she used to buy loads of gear from the sh- their shop in king's road right and obviously worth a complete mint now. She still got it. And then they used to go out. Uh, no, she lost it in a kind of uh, in a split up with a boyfriend. Oh, that's a shame. She has got a couple of things. She's got some bondage trousers and whatnot. But uh, they used to they used to buy the stuff in the shop. They used to save up for months, go up to London, buy the stuff in the shop, come out and get spat out and called posers by the hardcore punks. Ah, <laughs> oh, yes, of course, I remember that poser. That was the ultimate insult back then wasn't it yeah <laughs> well, in fact, of course it's exactly what and you're not you just woke up and happened to look like that you know it's kind of like, what <laughs> but yes malcolm mclaren uh, i think the title of this was rather irreverently malcolm mclaren pops his mortal clogs but um 
great a great one of those great sort of impresario manager kind of um, type guys you don't get many of those these days they're not really around they all have to be very businesslike and sort of you know switched on whereas i think the business was probably the least of his <laughs> the least of his interest it was more to do with the the art of illusion and creating something from nothing cash from chaos yes was that one of his phrases yeah 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 great well, I saw my brother Adam over the weekend, and he had a jumper with chaos written across the front of it. But Adam was a huge, huge fan of Malcolm McLaren. I think he was a bit upset about the whole thing. Yeah, a, a, a sad passing, and, and way too early. I mean, he's only you know only a young fella. Right. Well, um, so the next, let's think that. Uh, well, how can we avoid? Well, actually, I suppose I shouldn't have. Uh, how can we avoid doing the ad of our of our excellent sponsor Yamaha? I just noticed the time. I was enjoying myself so much, but I, I, I guess it's a really good time to um, say hello and uh, thank you very much once again to our show sponsor Yamaha.co.uk. Uh, they've got a new podcast out, and uh, I got an email from uh, the the excellent Peter, who was just telling me a little bit about what was going on. And um, the most interesting part of the podcast he was saying is uh, he's got he's done an interview with Toshi Kunimoto, who's the brains behind the Yamaha Spectral Component Modelling, which is deployed in the new uh, CP1 stage piano. Uh, he's also the genius behind the Yamaha L, uh, VL1 and VCM effects used in digital mixers. Uh, apparently the CP1, just a word, won a MIPA award at Frankfurt, which I think is one of the music instruments, technology kind of things and, you know, finest products. Uh, and, of course, um, as he's asked me to in previous weeks, uh, he suggested you actually go and check out the Yamaha CP1 if you can in a store near you and play it because, as he said, uh, it's it's hard to convey the uh, the look and the feel and the, and the actual playability of it without sitting down in front of one and, and seeing what it's about. And they've got various things in the range. There's the CP1 and there's a, another couple of CPs as well, which are, are more affordable. The CP1 looks gorgeous and is big black monolith of a thing. I don't know, Rich, have you had a chance to, to try one of those or is that uh, an unwise question to ask you? No, no, no. It's a very wise question and I very much want to, but I have not had the opportunity to run one down yet. So, uh, Well, no, maybe while you're in Japan, you could, uh, I could, I could organise one. Who knows? Hmm. We'll see. I'll, yeah. I'll, put, I'll put a we'll put a call out and see if there's uh, any line around that they could that you can check out. I'm sure they'd be interested to know your opinion. But uh, anyway, um, there's lots also lots of news stories on YamahaDownload.com, which is where you can get the podcast, including the latest product software releases uh, and um, you know the latest drivers, details of the upcoming unique Beats show in Edinburgh on the 24th of April. That's in the UK, and the new look Tenorion USA website, and uh, as an information about uh, Rihanna's keyboard player Hannah Versanth. Now, best place to get these, um, so that we can say that we sent you, is via sonicstate.com forward slash Yamaha. And um, if you click there, you can get a link directly to the podcast, which you can download on iTunes, but you can also uh, get another link to yamahadownload.com, which is, has all the news and stories and the latest updates. It's a great site in terms of, it's, obviously it's Yamaha-focused, but there's a lot of other information there also. So I want to say thank you very much to uh, Yamaha UK uh, for their continued sponsorship of the show. Very much appreciated. Right. Well, I have one word, or two, depending on how you pronounce it, and that is iPad. Obviously, we speculated. Uh, it came out in the US while uh, the, the week while we were away, or I was away, and uh, now it's here. And I must say, it does appear to be um, going great guns. I mean, they sold something like half a million in a week in the US. 
Uh, and, you know, what for all the stuff that's been going on about, well, it's, you know, what's it for? What do you need it for? You kind of, it's tethered to it. You have to have it tethered to a Mac or iTunes, otherwise it's useless. Are all, you know, correct. And, you know, is it grandma's computer and all that kind of stuff? But actually, where it seems to be really scoring is in the music making department, you know, and not, not um, only because of the rather fabulous Korg uh, iElectrive app, which does look really pretty great. And and when I saw that, I thought, now that kind of gives me an idea of how this could be used. I don't know what uh, everybody else thinks about it. Has, has your opinion of the iPod and iPad and maybe its its uh, uh, application and usefulness to you changed since you since its release and what you've seen it's capable of? Rich, maybe. I haven't seen anything new, so the answer would have to be no. Uh, but I'm favorably. I mean, I'd love to play around with one and see how it feels. I was rather hoping that one of you would have it, and then I could. Uh, I, I, no. you could you, but uh, sadly, have not. was have an iPad. Yeah, I noticed that O2 are going to do some dedicated tariffs for iPads. So well, the one with the three G. Buying one, yeah, but I'm uh, not till the end of May. So I don't think I'd buy one unless it had three G. I did buy a new iPhone, and I have watched your uh, the video, the Korg video, and I really can see the. Um, possibility that it creates with music making, especially, I mean, the, the apps in the iPhone are just fantastic. So, have that on with a slightly bigger screen, uh, it could be really cool. And then, I've, I've the other thing I've sort of really noticed is that Korg are sort of setting a precedent on the price that they're charging for the app. So, I mean, I can buy an iPhone synthesizer from zero price, free like a perfectly usable analog-style synth, modelled yeah. synth, for nothing. I can just download one of those and play with it. And I was showing this to someone the other day, and I was saying it's utterly amazing because the, this kind of synthesis, like when synthesis first came out, it would have cost like three or £4,000 to buy a synthesizer like this. And, you know, in the oh, 70s... Oh, someone got a phone going. Oh, maybe it's mine, actually getting so excited i picked it up sorry <laughs> <laughs> no, it's connecting <laughs> i've got a trick for you there and this is one that somebody showed me if you get a cd and you just stick yeah. it on and you just hold it an actual blank cd or a, a, a audio cd and put it on against it it'll stop doing that really yeah amazing okay. it's like magic oh okay well I had a realization that the the kind of technology i'd got in front of me in software which i'd got for free probably would have cost several thousand pounds in the 70s and I just had a sense of, like, how amazing this stuff really is. And then the thing I've noticed that Korg have done is they've set a precedent on price. They're selling the iElectribe for $9.99. Only, only until June. It's actually going to be 20 bucks or $19.99. Well, 20 bucks. I mean, come on. If you look at the technology that's available there, it's kind of... It kind of takes me back to the time when I had this realization that if I buy a computer and software to do my music making, as opposed to the dedicated hardware like the Roland boxes I was using, if I replace that with an Atari ST, not only can I use it for music, but I can also make my record cover on it and everything else. Yeah. Um, at that time, though, you'd buy something like Pro Tools Pro uh, 24 for like several hundred quid. So you've got the cost of the hardware, the Atari computer, which was like sort of 400 quid, plus the cost of the software. But I could still see the advantage. 
With this thing, you've got the cost of the hardware, like three or four hundred pounds, and then if you're able to buy like countless types of different software at relatively few dollars, you can have kind of a whole plethora of synthesizers to play with in your studio for virtually no money. And if Roland and uh, Yamaha and others sort of follow suit, it gives you access to all that different stuff for, for like, small amount of money. I just, I, I, I can see it being, I yeah. don't know. So it I, can I see agree. I mean, taking over. I think the, the single, the single use, you know. So it's like, right, it's going to be an electribe. And you know, there was a review. I forget that VJ. Uh, there's a, a, a DJ VJ guy who did a review, and he was doing demonstrating playing notes and and tweaking at the same time, and really kind of saying, look, the thing about this is the multi-touch because you can, you can, you know, you're playing a note and you're tweaking it in real time, like you would be with synthesizer yeah. uh, and you know and that's the thing that made me sort of go "Ooh, yeah this looks like it could really fly i uh, mean that the little synthesizer i'm talking about is a thing called n-log free right and you can do exactly that you can play keys and you can tweak the resonance and the frequency while you're doing it and and it does make the whole experience of it being a real synthesizer as opposed to it just being something in software with a mouse completely different. I, I, I think where somebody might win is, you know, if you get like a little knob that you could just stick on the front of it. So you maybe have a couple of things that are just suction pads that you can stick on over, um, you know, a control on there. So you've actually got something physical you can wait, you know, you can wail on. That would be pretty cool. That must be, you know, like an, like an iPad pen stuck in a little kind of spirograph kind of thing. That's a really cool idea. Like that. I know Dave Spears. I, su- I suspect that somewhere deep in your NDA files, you've got things that you can't talk about to do with iPads. Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when he says that. But do you, what do you think, though? I mean, did it really kind of switch on a few light bulbs when you saw some of this stuff actually in the hands of people? Like, there's lots of YouTube videos going at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I thought the iElectribe was just amazing. Brilliant. And a really cool, cool. fascinating, fascinating price point, I thought. We talked a while ago, didn't we, about, you know, iPhones and whatnot, this whole closed system being the end of piracy. And actually, in a way this sort of reinforced that argument in that if there is no piracy, perhaps companies could afford to do stuff at such a cheap price because they know they're getting paid for every copy they sell. Well, what would they so get? At know. 20 bucks, they get 30%, don't they? So they'll get uh, 60, uh, six, 6 bucks. No, no, what am I talking about? So, yes, yeah, No, no, it's the other way around. They get 70%, don't they? Yeah. So they, get, yeah. they get 14 bucks. But yeah. in terms... Okay, so in terms of a hardware unit, like when Roland made the Jupiter 8... They, how, many, how many of those did they ship? Like five or six thousand? Yeah. Is that right? Something like that. So if they, and if their profit margin on that was, you know, a, a, say just randomly a thousand bucks on every single unit they sold, if you were to, if you know that they've shipped half a million iPads and everybody is curious enough to go out and buy that application, it could completely turn the whole thing on its head. In other words, if you've got a big enough market at a small enough price point, everybody with a curiosity for synthesis will buy some of these things. Well, I'm thinking, you know, I mean, it's also down to the branding, isn't it? Because the Korg have got the brand, and also they've got the, the, 
the ability to kind of move fast and make things that people seem to want. And fair play, that was just a brilliant move, and I think it's very, that very was commendable. So, so just quick absolutely mark, brilliant. But also, you know, you could see like a little vi- access virus engine, something like a single voice virus synth. I mean, I would be very tempted to, to to take something like that because that has a sound and a certain kind of cachet that you'd pay you know you might pay 20 bucks for a, a vi- an access virus application as well you know i mean yeah. I, I think the problem is is going to be is you know when we start expecting them to perform like a, a plug-in in our you know massive desktop computer and expect some 16 part multi-timbrality and all lots of real-time effects and stuff I'm not going to expect that. I expect it to perform as well as a synthesizer in my hands, I think. So if I, if, if I had a real access virus with just a stereo output, if it could do what that could do, I'd be more than happy. It's very exciting. And I, I think, you know, this, the reason it is exciting is, you know, forget all of the other content consumption stuff. This, you know, people are saying it's not a content creation tool, but for music... I think that's the exception. It does actually appear to be a possibility for that. The other thing that was looking good was uh, we, we mentioned the AC7 Pro, which was like a fader. It's like a Mackie Chewy emulation. And there's a couple of videos of people using those online. And uh, that looks really, really, really nice. Apart from I did notice that it seemed quite laggy on the faders. I don't know if anyone's seen any of that stuff. But that's, that's going to be the thing. For, things, for controlling re- real-time, any kind of real-time process, the lag is going to be a really big issue, especially for music, you know, music stuff that's that's very time dependent and can't just uh, can't wait. It has to be now. That'd be interesting. Has um has it got an accelerometer in it? The iPad. I can't. You say. know that thing that tells you whether it what access it's on. Uh, because I don't know. my favourite thing to do at the moment is I've got a synthesizer that has a a kind of a weird knob in the middle of it and you can flick it around on the screen and it changes the pitch or the tone of the synth or you can tell it to respond to the uh the kind of orientation of the phone so I can actually uh make music by uh, in other words I can create pitch envelopes by like taking the phone lying it flat and then flipping it on its side and the and this you know kind of graphic representation of where the the knob is rolls across the screen and it kind of goes Ooh, or That's whatever so it's almost like that uh, that old school what was that stuff hyper um those those plugins exactly that were like very that. very much yeah, about gesture hyperprism yeah hyperprism stuff hmm. so i mean it is there is like a slightly new way of looking at input here as well I just really want to get my hands on one because as I've been hearing, you know, as people talk about it, it's like until you've actually touched one, you kind of go, yeah, I don't need something like that in my life. I don't get it, you know, but people have to seem to have a real, once you get hold of it, you just can't, you can't resist. <laughs> it, it does have the accelerometer. It does. It right. does. Yeah. Oh, yeah. right. Cool. I'm, I mean, I'm, the other, here's an, another synth I've got is another thing called... Um, Jasuto, and can you remember that thing where they were putting cubes onto the table, and when you br- put one cube near another cube, they yeah, the connect react- up reactable, like the right, reactable. Right. Well, this stuff. this well, synthesizer works exactly like that. So you put filters on. You put fil- you drop a filter on your screen, and you move no, it. Near I think something I think we talked about happened. it a long time back, but it was almost impossible to use on the iPhone screen, isn't it? It's just so teeny. It is teeny on an iPad. It's quite hard to use, but on an iPad. That could be really something cool as well. 
and again that that responds to moving the thing around in the x y axis it responds to shaking the phone it responds to multi touch it's kind of it does it it's it extends the range of what we know to be a normal way of inputting stuff as musicians so i think there's yeah i think in the future it could you know it could it could expand our repertoire of what we do as musicians it could become a musical instrument in itself or a new input device i like the idea perhaps rich this might um, be a point you 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 could kind of see is you know, because now we've got MIDI, there are, there's the Line 6 MIDI interface for it, there's other stuff coming out. You can imagine it combined with a hardware controller, so you have touch and, you know, like some faders and buttons as well. I mean, that starts to get to be quite an interesting prospect for certainly, you know, maybe even just dealing with, like, mixer channels or whatever. That could be quite an interesting way of, of working, do you think? I do. However, I th- I, my frustration with the product my one singular frustration with the product, really, is the lack of I.O. options above and beyond what is offered on an iPod. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's my only... At the point at which it begins to functionally replace my laptop, it's a device of extraordinary interest to me. But to have it be a bigger version of my iPod functionally... Is interesting to me and heck. If I if I one fell into my lap, I'd probably fall in love. But it's not enough to make me want to run out and spend the six hundred bucks, seven hundred bucks I don't have right now on something to replace my iPod that works. You know. So yes, it has a lot of control possibilities, and I like the fact that the larger screen enables you to actually more precisely control things, possibly like volume and such. But by, by the same token, how are you going to get that in and out, MIDI? So then it's a mm. Huey at that point. I mean, we just yeah. had this Well, I think it's got audio oh. out, has it not? It does have a, some sort of audio out via the dock, so you can get to it. I mean, it's not multi-channel, right. but it's going to be a stereo thing. No, understood. And, and as I said, if, you do, if they just had some kind of either a USB 2 or Firewire or an Ethernet or something that gets you in and out of the thing that's not on that multi-pin connector, then uh, it starts to look like a professional usage machine that you could actually work with. But as it's now, it's still, and I love to be shown I'm wrong about this, it still feels like a very, very ambitious toy. I love the Electribe thing, by the way. I think it's going to be... I think it's going to be one of those critical mass things because, I mean, the other thing that's going to change enormously is perhaps the way that the web is consumed and content is consumed because, again, it's via a closed system and uh, browsing the internet and doing various things on it is is apparently quite a pleasurable experience. You know, it's not going to be great for writing long emails or whatever, but, I mean, in terms of just checking your Gmail and doing this kind of stuff, there would be some very interesting uh, applications for all sorts of stuff. I'm really sort of starting to feel like, you know, we need to, you know, as a web publisher, you know, I need to be looking at this and figuring out ways that I can get, push my, push the Sonic State content out to these kind of devices, particularly when they're starting to sell in such large numbers. And you see, it feels like this is an iteration of the, the kind of push that Apple made with the iPhone and making, you know, in terms of pushing the envelope and changing the way that we, uh, we deal with stuff. What was funny from my perspective is that, you know, obviously, I know fair fair few uh, Mac developers. So when this came out in the states, there was this kind of initial spike of euphoria, followed by a kind of deafening silence, and you could almost hear all the developers going, "Right, better get to work on an app for this," mm. which I thought was very amusing. Well, I think uh, you know, 
I think it's if it's if it's got me sort of thinking about that stuff, then you know I'm usually about mid table when it comes to speed of response, <laughs> so uh, <clears throat> or mid to low table, I would say perhaps. So man, uh, I love that. I mean, every you know, there's been loads and loads of ideas kind of buzzing around, and I did I do like it when that happens. Yeah, it's very stimulating. Enabling, I think, is a good thing for anything mm-hmm. to be really, isn't it? So yeah, the iPad, I mean, we can't avoid it. I know sometimes we do go on a bit about Apple, but they are occupying such a massive sort of centre stage when it comes to creative and consumption of all the stuff that we as musicians and producers and content creators kind of make. It's, it's unavoidable. And, uh, you know, once again, massive kudos for, to Korg for creating, uh, being right in there and getting that out. I mean, they must have seen it coming a long time back and just figure, right, let's go. I mean, I can see perhaps more of the, the digital edition stuff coming out on this as well. You know, you could see perhaps the MS-20 stuff, you know, all of that thing. You can, you can just see it would make sense. I mean, give me, yeah, give me a version of Logic Audio that I can use on it. I can scrub around with tracks I've been making and put them in there and play with them. That would be kind of cool. So that was iPad, and uh, you know, it's a it's a big deal. It really is a big deal. Uh, incidentally, there is a uh, Facebook group um, which I forget the name of the chat, but he's he started one up, uh, and it's a, a sort of music apps for the iPad Facebook group, and it seems like quite a good place to keep. Uh, keep an eye on things as well as us we've got a special area uh, of the site dedicated to iphone and ipad stuff so do check it out in the future we'll be able to make music with our friends from anywhere and when we'll want a synth sound we'll choose a virtual instrument to drag and drop into our studio session Then adding a MIDI pattern and programming our melody on the piano roll. I won't play all of it, but I would first like to say anyone who's ever fl- flown Virgin Atlantic will perhaps have feel a similarity between that and the in-flight movie that starts at the beginning. I don't know if it's the same guy did the voiceover or the same, but it's, it sounds almost identical to me in terms of mood and voice quality. I don't know what they've done. And also the animation in the, in the vi- intro video is quite similar as well. It's true. Um, but anyway, Ohm Force, is it what's it called? Ohm Studio? Yeah. Which is a quite, quite a good pun on words, actually, if you think about it. And what is this? Essentially, it's another attempt at cloud-based collaborative musical projects whereby you know you have the tools that then link up to a central repository i'm guessing it looks like some sort of modification on the svn system so you know you can always go back revisions people can record things on sessions they can all be accessing them at various different times when you boot up you can say hey look there's another version of this session you know here's a vocal here's a change of arrangement uh it's not quite ready yet but it's they've obviously spent a lot of money on the uh, the movie and I, I suspect this is a fairly serious uh project and I'm and, and Dave. I can't believe it. Once again, GeForce product gets a slap bang product placement in the middle of that video. I say the notice of the mini Yay. monster was in there. But you, of um, course, the Own Force guys have been. Uh, they, you've had sort of relations with them in the past, haven't you? They've kind of yeah, there's yeah, been collaborative yeah. stuff with them that they've yeah. done for you, haven't they? So uh, the, mini actually. monster was a collaboration with them and Oddity. Uh, and actually, this is great for me because it marks the end of the longest NDA I've ever been under. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure whether that's a good or a bad thing. I think it's a bloody great thing. Um, 
it's yeah i think i signed this i think chris and i signed this probably in the year 2000 this has been own forces <laughs> raison d'etre from day one and so every penny and every bit of spare time they've had has gone into this and we're finally starting to see something from it it's been brilliant actually there's been shows you know like Messer and whatnot where we've kind of obviously all met up and hung out and whatnot and they've gone back and even in the van and stuff you know they're kind of furiously coding in the back and this just goes back years and years and years so yeah it's really good really good to see um, that they finally kind of announced it because it's a great name as well yeah that's just the, the perfect pun, isn't it? Yeah. The finest punnery. Um, so, yeah, the, 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 the principle is, it sounds kind of quite similar to something that uh, non-Eric Hans was involved in before he started Muso Talk, which was, I forget what it was called now. Do you remember what it was called? I've forgotten that. Uh, Digitalmusician.net, wasn't That's it? That's right, Digitalmusician. Uh. It sounds like a similar kind of concept. And uh, it just feels like now, I suppose, with the wider acceptance of stuff like Google Apps and what have you, and people sort of taking that stuff up, which is what I'm, you know, what I am doing. I can see how this might work, but there is one major hurdle, which I think is, and is quite an important one. Usually, you know, making music with people is something you do after some kind of emotional contact has been made. And when it's sort of done in a, in a, in a kind of purely virtual way i wonder whether you get the same connection also you get issues of ownership and security stuff i mean i know rich we've talked uh, with you about the idea of cloud storage and what have you for multi-tracks and things and you know there are obviously major issues for stuff that is uh, heavily licensed you know work uh, in progress isn't going to work for, for that sort of thing but stuff that's not yet got a, a a working title or has any ownership it might be a, an interesting way to to kind of carry on or a quick way of just getting something quickly added to a session i don't know i, I my history with this concept goes back over 10 years uh, because it didn't succeed before doesn't mean to me that this won't succeed and i'd like to try it out and if you guys would like we'll do a sonic talk piece of music on it that sounds like a good that idea. That sounds like a great idea, yeah. Um, Why I've, don't I've we find out beta. how good it is? <laughs> Why don't we find out? Yeah, I think that's a great idea. I'd be up for like, that. In other words, we'd have to schedule it so that we were all available in real time in order to do it, because I want to see how real time it is. Yeah. I think it... I, I would like to see as well. There's just a, an endless series of ohm puns coming in from the chat room. The green, green grass of ohm. Uh, Omer Simpson. <laughs> ohm on the range. Ohm, my God. Ohm is where <laughs> the ohm is. Arp where is. The arp is. Yeah, yeah, I like that one. Uh, there's just too many puns. It's just, uh, there's a puntastic. That's, and that's just a prime example of why the chat room is such a good resource for <laughs> those listening to the live show. I mean, where else can you have this sort of punnery in a live context, I ask you. SonicState.com forward slash live, 4pm on a Wednesday. That's where. And I think latency is not necessarily an issue because it's not... A, I don't think it's about real-time collaboration. It's about, okay, here's, here's the stuff where I've got it to. Now just record a vocal, okay? And then once I've done it my end, it'll be encoded and stepped to the server and then uh, it will be uh, updated in your version of the document, which is also open. That's how I understand it. Is that about right, Dave? Yeah, I don't think it's not about actually right. We're both playing it now. Let's jam. It's not like that. No, um, it's it's uh, just think of it like um, Google Docs. Really, yeah. I think you alluded to that before. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, you know, you can edit your song at home. Another guy edits the same doc- uh, document in his studio. He can do the drum track, you know, you, and you can, you will see it appear pretty quickly. I mean, there are a load of things that they haven't announced, which obviously I can't talk about. But there are other cool features to come. But they're kind of keeping those under wraps for the time being. Um, well, but should- yeah, I mean, you know, you can go back versions, and if you don't like what somebody's done or you know whatnot, yeah, you can I kick saw- them out. Do you, do you know? Do you know? Because um, there's a there's a pricing, but there's lots of buttons on the website homestudio.com, uh, which are greyed out. One of them is pricing. Do you have any insight as to the strategy or the the stuff that you can you know that you could allude to there? I mean, do you know anything about that? No, not really. No, I think there'll be just different tiers. I'm guessing it's a, I'm guessing it's a freemium kind of model, isn't it? So you get something for nothing and then if you want to pay something you would be getting a subscription uh, it's interesting yeah, about the I whole s- subscription model we've been talking about this for a long time actually uh, we were talking in the office um about it and pay paying at the point of consumption is a really hard thing for people to be able to deal with yet you know in the uk we're happy to pay our service provider we're happy to pay the bbc license fee all of those ways of paying for content is kind of it's okay but when it comes to actually paying for stuff that we want you know, like like Spotify or whatever, it's a completely different game. It's quite an interesting, you know, you sort of need to figure out how that's going to work. And I, I don't know, Mark, you've alluded to this fact before, where, where it should be like a pay-as-you-go thing. So it's like, yeah, I'll put a tenner on that. Let me know when I've run out of money. And if I, if I want to re, refill or recredit my account, I'll do it. But I don't, you know, the idea of somehow setting up an endless recurring charges sort of is a little bit oh. something that's hard for people to swallow. It feels like an open-ended commitment, doesn't it? I mean, that's how, yeah, that's how I use Skype. I just buy £10 credit and I use it as I go along and then... Yeah, I think, you know, it's, a, I think it's a great model. Because ultimately, you might well be spending more than that, but it feels like you're in control of it. Yeah. Yeah. But then again, having said that, my mobile phone, I pay £35, £40, £35? I don't know how much, however much it is, every month. And some weeks, some days I use all the credit and sometimes I don't make any phone calls at all and kind of just, you know, the minutes don't roll over or anything, do they? So, yeah. Uh, and I'm happy with that. I don't have a problem with doing that at all. So, um, But I think that's down to, again, that, that comes down, we don't, we don't have a problem with paying at the point of the access point. It's the consumption. We don't. Well, actually, what I've realised about my mobile phone is that I was pay-as-you-go for many years until I worked out what I was doing. When I knew how I would use it, I was able to purchase a plan that suited me. So if I was doing this, if I got into contact with other musicians and I was writing things with people and I was doing stuff, um, as I went along, I would be able to work out how I was going to use it and how much, what, you know, financial resource I wanted to dedicate to it i suppose but um i mean i can see this working for like duran duran because they're forever sort of fiddling around with tracks and stuff and if everybody had access to something that worked in a central point and everybody could have a go at them i think they'd love it i really do if everybody had a laptop and could just hook into this thing that was always going to, they always had the right version and instantly available well yeah the version control uh, stuff that well, sounds very exciting but i mean because it's god knows it's hard enough to do within you know the major doors but i guess the real trick is going to be how you can translate between if you've got a local project in logic and you want to bring it into this so that you can collaborate how you do that i don't know there may be ways that that's possible i don't know how that's going to work let's find out 
I think let's we should find out. I let's see if Omforce wants to give us subscriptions so we can find out. Well, I've signed up for the beta program. I haven't actually had any um, congratulations, here's your login yet, and that was several hours ago, so I don't know quite what stage they're at. Um, I see. Uh, guest uh, KSR80 says, I could just send you my tracks to, uh, to you, Rich, and you could get them perfect for me for free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, there is always that, but then... Um, <laughs> that requires a consent. <laughs> yes, there's the, the extraordinary tariffs that occur at the Door Denial studio. <laughs> yes, <laughs> quite. Uh, more, less monthly, more hourly. Well, it could be on a per-project basis. We yes, well, to- exactly. You have to talk. talk, <laughs> talk hand, this is where the handoff goes to the commercial guy, whoever that may be. <laughs> Incidentally, um, this week, uh, just before the show, I, I, I did actually, I found a, a spare hard drive that I put in one of the old laptops here, and I, I've lo- um, installed the Indemix OS, uh, which was the Linux-based audio door stroke uh, you know, side of things, and that seemed to go very, very smoothly. I plugged it in and you know watched the screen zip by, and then went, "Yeah, there we go." Very oh, great. And wow! It, 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 I was expecting trouble, and literally, I just sort of found an old drive at home, put it in a caddy, stuck it in the laptop, and plugged this thing in. Changed the BIOS so it would say, you know, yeah, I'll boot off a USB device, you know, before a, the hard drive, and uh, it just did the whole thing. And there it is; it's on my system. I haven't had a chance to dig deep, but I'm going to be looking into it later. So I'm sure Ron uh, will be very happy that I've actually made some movement towards a review for that. But uh, so far, so good. Uh, well, I, I think we're probably heading towards the, um, the, 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 the end of the show. I'd like to say thank you very much to all of our chatties. Um, nice to see some old, fa- old friends in there and um, new friends too. So um, please do come back again um, next week. Same time, same place. I think now all the uh, hour, the, 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 the time changes and the summertime changes are all over. We'll be safe for five or six months at least. Um, so, yes, please do. Sonicstate.com forward slash live. 4 p.m. UK time is where you can find us. And uh, i also like to thank my local guests. Really appreciate you coming along and uh, glad you could make it. I hope it's not too early for you in the US, Rich, is it? Or are we caught up? We're back in sync. No, we're good. It's uh, ten past noon right now. Oh, that sounds very reasonable. Yeah. So you're f- only you're a mere five hours behind. So, well, anyway, um, thank you very much. That's Rich Hilton. I may as well say thank you to you first. I'm, I'm guessing you'll zip off into the studio and do what you do uh, shortly. But um, myspace.com forward slash Hiltonia. So anyone anywhere else uh, you want people to point point out? Can they follow you on Twitter or anything? Is there any? There are tweets uh, there under are. the name Hiltonius, and there's a Facebook page under the name Hiltonius, and. I'm easy to find. Easy you to can, find. You can write to me. I'm easy. All my information is <laughs> public domain. It's, I'm, I'm not hiding from anybody. <laughs> not yet. Anyway, ah. thanks, Rich. It's been a pleasure to get you. And also, thanks very much to Mark Tinley. Um, thanks for hanging in there and uh, coming with us. I'm guessing you must be in school holidays. So how's the childcare? Well, the childcare okay is going really well today because he's gone round to his friend Ben's for tea. Woohoo! And uh, uh, Ben's mum will be bringing him back shortly, no doubt. So, yeah, that's going really nicely. Excellent. Well, I'm glad to hear you. Yes, I dropped uh, my daughter off uh, for a three-hour mini tennis session. See how oh, she right. got there. It was very, very cold this morning, actually, I have to say. So I hope she's, uh, she's managed to weather the weather, as it were. Where are we? St- likebeing.com? Is that where yeah, we're going to Yeah, I like likebeing.com. I like likebeing.com. W- no, sorry, www.likebeing.com. No, sorry, I was just expressing my own appreciation of my own choice of website url there could this be the one <laughs> like being.com yeah well oh yeah i should say thank you to everybody in the chat room for making it entertaining and uh, as minty has just said very entertaining thanks guys and yes it, 
we do appreciate your participation. Very much appreciated. Finally, Dave Spears, G4 Software, who's presumably going back to the grindstone to uh, finish off. Unless you can... Um, can you tear yourself away from your fabulous controller? Have you made a set of bank, a bank of sands with that yet? Oh, yes. Excellent. Plenty. Plenty, plenty. Yeah, no, very nice. Did an amazing <laughs> job. Um, can I, I just want to plug a website, please. Of course you can. It's for Deckers. Hey, Deckers. Uh, is it Deckers Music? It is, yes. It's ah. his band. Oh, brilliant. Yes, I got. he sent me some MP3s. I thought they were jolly good, actually. Right, love, love their production. Um, yeah. It is http colon forward slash forward slash clean dot bandcamp dot com forward slash album forward slash the hyphen phantom hyphen fever hyphen free. We'll put that in the show notes, of course, so you can check it out. <laughs> Yes, well, absolutely. And I want to say, Deckers is the guy who did help us out in Germany um, by the provision of the local on-the-ground data card situation, which worked very well for us. Thank you very much once again. Um, I guess that's probably it. Sonic Talk number 171 is uh, is done and dusted. Um, That's it. Thanks very much.